This morning, before we begin praying, Henry is asked to be anointed, and so I would like to ask any of you who are here this morning who would like to come down and pray with him to come now, and we'll, we'll anoint him in the name of the Lord. Father in heaven, we just want to say that we love you this morning. We thank you for sending your one and only son, Jesus, to pay it all. Father, thank you for your word that teaches us to call the elders down and to anoint people so that they can be healed and they can be touched. Lord, to bring both spiritual and physical healing. Jesus, we lift Henry up to you this morning. God, we ask that you would touch him. Lord, you know his body and his heart and his mind. And Lord, you know what he needs today. So in the name of God the Father, we anoint him created him and formed him in his mother's womb. God, thank you for being all-knowing and all-powerful and perfectly capable of touching him in this moment. We anoint him in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who did pay it all. Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, for cleansing us from our unrighteousness, from resurrecting from the grave to show us that there is something better to look forward to than this life. We anoint Henry in the name of the Holy Spirit, the one who came to dwell in us after Jesus ascended to the heavens. Thank you for sending your spirit to be with us today. Lord, we pray for Henry. But God, we also pray for this time that we have together. We pray that your spirit would be here among us, that it would be in us, and God, that it would do the work in us that we cannot do ourselves. Jesus, we pray in your name that you would touch our hearts and lives today. Lord, that you would not only be with us and you would not only be with Henry, but you would be with our brothers and sisters who aren't able to come. Lord, for anybody who's watching online or listens to the podcast later on, we pray that in the moment that they hear this prayer, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit. And Lord, they would feel you working and moving in their heart and life. Father, we give this time to you. We surrender ourselves to you. And I pray that there would not be a heart in this place that would be hardened towards you. But God, we would open ourselves up and allow you free reign to work and move in our life. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this time together. And we ask all this in your precious and holy name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. 
Well, it is great to be back together this morning, and uh, we just kind of have this weird month right now as school is ending, uh, summer's beginning to start, people are going on vacations, and um, we had some stuff planned leading into the summer, and I just really felt a couple weeks ago that this is just kind of where God wanted us to go over the next few weeks. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about just showing up. You know, uh, a lot of times we, we fail to do that in many areas of life, of just showing up, just being there, being present, being available. Uh, in multiple facets of life, we fail to show up. Uh, there was, I forget who the guy was, said you know, 80% of success is just showing up, just being there and being available and being in the moment to uh, accomplish the task at hand. And, and so many people fail to do that. And I feel like as, as Christians, we, we fail to show up a lot, whether we like to admit it or not. And there's many different reasons that we fail to show up. And so over the next few weeks, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the reasons why that Christians fail to show up and be who we're supposed to be, who God's called us to be. And today, we're talking about showing up even when you're afraid. Um, fear is one of the most crippling things that we experience in our life. I don't know about you guys, uh, there's different things in life that you, you go through and like you have to overcome these fears. I can remember growing up, um, if any of you have heard anything about me as a child, I was, I was a pretty bad kid. Um, I was disciplined a lot, when I say disciplined, whipped a lot as a kid. I deserved it. I'll be the first one to admit to you as a parent now, I deserved 99% of everything I ever got. I fully deserved it. And uh, <clears throat> I can remember being out in public or, or various places where I would do something that was just really dumb. It wasn't like I was out breaking stuff or burning anything down. It was just I would do really dumb stuff that would embarrass my family or, you know, just stuff that I wasn't supposed to do. For example, one time we were down in Florida visiting a pretty wealthy family member. And they lived in this really amazing house. And every, the house was like 100 years old. Everything in the house was 100 years old. You know, that was like 40 years ago now. Um, everything back then was already old back then. And uh, it was all super expensive. And I got this little water gun. I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And, and I was running around squirting people. And, and I was told, like, do not squirt this in their house. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. First thing I did when we got in there, <laughs> turn around. I think I shot my mom with a water gun. And I was told in that moment, when we leave, you're getting it. You're going to get a spanking. And I remember just dreading it. You know, it's like the anticipation and the fear of what is to come a lot of times is worse than the actual thing that you experience. And, you know, just sitting there dreading it all day and having to think about it because it was one of those things like my dad forgets a lot of stuff, like a lot of stuff. He never forgot. He never forgot. I mean, it was like when it came to whippings, it was like the greatest joy in his life. He, he just remembered it so well. And he just always looked forward to it. And he never forgot. And so I knew as soon as we left and there was a moment where no one was looking, you know, it was coming. And, and the dread of it, the fear of it was so much worse than the actual punishment itself because the punishment lasted for a few seconds and then it was over, and the pain was over, and then you just moved on in life and everything was fine. But the fear of it was just awful. And a lot of times we do that as people, you know. We, we dread things so much that we fear. And I just want to be clear this morning, we're not talking about spiders and heights and like the dark. You know, it's like, it's not, we're not talking about stuff like that that we're afraid of. 
you know, we're at church, we're talking about spiritual things. We're talking about things in our relationship with God, things that um, we know that we should be doing or things we know we shouldn't be doing. We know that God has called us and, and God wants more from us than what we're giving most of the time. I think it's pretty fair to say that. And a lot of times, the, the things that God has called us to, it makes us afraid because it's not comfortable. It, it stretches us beyond what is normal to everyone else in the world. It stretches us beyond what's normal in our own lives and, and what we're comfortable with. And so a lot of times, fear just causes us to just dread this thing, and we avoid so many things that God calls us to, that He wants us to do, that so many blessings that we could have that God wants us to have, and we rob ourselves of them because we're afraid. And you guys know this. It's like when you dread something, you avoid it, right? You put it off. Like, like you, 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 you stay away from it. Like if some of you are afraid of spiders, um, like I can pick on, like, I, you know, this is my fun time to pick on my dad. My dad is terrified of spiders. And I can remember times when I was little, he would like make me crawl in places that he wouldn't crawl into because he was afraid of spiders. He's terrified of spiders. I can pick on him because he used to whip me all the time. You have fun with that. But we're not talking about stuff like that. We're talking about spiritual things. Okay? It keeps us held hostage. And if you know anything about this in your own personal life, when you overcome fears... It's like this great moment, and there's probably something that you can remember growing up where you overcame this thing that you were afraid of, and it was like, oh, this is great, and it gives you confidence to, to overcome the next thing and overcome the next thing. And our relationship with the Lord and our faith should be like that. You know, it, it should be this monumental thing when we overcome these fears that we have in our life, and we can testify as to God has helped us overcome these fears. But the problem is, is when we have these fears in our life that we never allow the Lord to help us overcome. And they hold us hostage. And they hold us hostage for seasons in our life. And sometimes they hold us hostage for the entirety of our life. And as a result, you have men and women who claim faith in Jesus Christ, who, who want to live for Him and want to serve Him, and yet we're living in hostage never doing all the things that God has called us and created us to do. And that's a terrible place to be. And that's not where God has designed us or created us to be. And believe it or not, Scripture is full of passages of Scripture talking about fear. Hundreds of verses of Scripture that talk about fear. I challenge you to do this when you go home today. Get on your computer your phone, type in BibleGateway.com, and they have a little search engine just like Google. And you just type in fear. And look at how many Bible verses come up that talk about fear. You know, as a believer in Christ, it's so important that we trust in God's word. That, that we believe in God's word, that it is perfect. And it's exactly what God wanted it to be for each and every single one of us. And if you trust in that and you believe in that, then you can believe and have faith that God's word is perfect perfectly put together to provide you with everything you need to serve the Lord. And even in the aspect of fear, when you start looking at all these verses, it's almost like God created us and he knew that we were going to experience fear in our life. Who would have thought? Like that's a little bit of sarcasm mixed in there if you missed it. I mean, like, if you believe in Christ, if you believe in God, then you believe that God did create us, that he knows us, he, he formed every one of us 
lovingly and carefully, he planned us. He, he gave you your soul and your spirit. He gave you the physical and the possibility to have the eternal through Jesus Christ. And he loves you and he created you. And he knew that you as an individual were going to experience fear. And as a result, there's hundreds of verses of Scripture that talk about how we deal with fear and how God will help us overcome fear and all the promises that God has made to lead us into overcoming fear and doing the things that he's called us to do. So our focus passage of Scripture this morning is Matthew chapter 10, verses 26 through 31. Now this is just a small portion of the passage, but to give you an idea of what's going on, Jesus has finally got all 12 disciples picked. He's been going around. He's been doing all his ministry stuff. He's been healing the sick, raising the dead, doing all these amazing things. And the disciples have basically just been bystanders at this time. They've probably taken on some like minor responsibilities, doing different stuff, you know, accomplishing these tasks. But they have yet to go out and do anything on their own yet. Well, Matthew 10 is the moment where Jesus says, Hey guys, huddle up. This is what we're going to do. I'm sending you out, and this is the ministry that you're going to do. So I'm going to give you a hint of just something that he said in verse 8. He said, You're going to heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, and give as freely as you have received. Now, I don't know about you, but if we huddled up this morning and one of you told me that we're going to go out, we're going to heal the sick, and we're going to raise the dead, and we're going to cure leprosy, and we're going to cast out demons, I would be scared because I've never done any of that before. And I wouldn't even know how to go out into our community and begin accomplishing that task. Like just the fear of it initially just going out and saying, okay, we're going to do this. Like I would not be okay with that. I, I would be very fearful because it's not in my game. It's not what God has blessed me to do up at this moment. Does that make sense? I imagine a lot of you would be very afraid too. And so as Jesus huddles the 12 up and he says, listen, take your pull-ups off, put your big boy underwear on, we're growing up today. You're going out. This is what I want you to do in verse 8. And look at all the stuff that he says to him afterward in verses 26 through 31. He says, but don't be afraid. Surprise, there's a passage of scripture saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ears, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. How surprising is it that when Jesus calls his disciples in and he gives them their first responsibility of, like, okay, guys, like, you've had a really good time just following me around like little puppies for the past weeks or months or whatever it is, however long they're into it by now. 
But now it's time for you to grow up and now it's time for you to do what it is that I've really called you with me to do. And don't be afraid. Because he knew they were going to be afraid. He knew they were going to fear. It was something they had never done before. They would never... uh, uh, They've never tried to do any of this before. And actually, if you read Scripture, on their first time around, when they went out to do this stuff, they weren't very successful in doing it. Like, there was one time they like, tried to cast out an evil spirit, and the evil spirit like, jumped on them and beat them up. and like, they, sent them, like, they ran away in shame because they got overtaken. Like, they didn't accomplish everything. Like, they didn't have this perfect record. You with me this morning? Like a lot of times, uh, as people, we fear a lot of different things, and failure is one of the greatest things that we fear. And even the disciples went out, and they were not super successful in their first venture in serving the Lord. But Jesus looked at him. He said, "Don't be afraid. If you fail, don't be afraid. If you're nervous about doing this, don't be afraid. If you don't know what you're doing, don't be afraid." He keeps telling them, "Don't be afraid." Point number one, don't be afraid of people. Now, before we get started and we start working through our points, if you like writing, if you like taking notes, make sure you write down all these passages. I'm going to give you a ton of passages of Scripture that talk about fear, how to deal with it, what God has promised in the midst of fear, what God has promised to do as he's called you as people to do certain things. So make sure you're writing these down. But don't, point number one, don't be afraid of people. People are not our judge and jury. And I think that we need to be reminded of this periodically in our lives. Like there are moments in time where you realize this into adulthood that the thoughts and opinions and ideas of people aren't that significant. And it would probably be really good if we would always remember that in every aspect of life, especially in our spiritual lives. But sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. People do not decide your life. People do not have authority over you. And when I say that, um, you, you always got to give a disclaimer to stuff because not everything is always like 100% true in every single aspect. So let's take, for example, if you're a kid in here this morning, your parents have authority. God has given your parent authority and power over you for a certain amount of time in your life, Right? That was ordained. It was the way that God has always intended it to be. It's even one of the Ten Commandments that you honor your father and mother. God has given them that authority over you. Now, parents, what you do with that authority over your child and how you raise them and how you treat them will greatly depend on how they respond once they are of age to break those chains and be removed from underneath that power and authority. Because if you do it the right way and you do it the godly way that God intended it to be done, they will come back and they will continue to honor you throughout the longevity of your and their life. The way that God has intended it to be. If you abuse that power and authority, they will break those chains and they will never come back and show you the honor and respect and and stuff that a parent should deserve. They're not going to do that. You with me today? Even though they should, even though we're not perfect... Okay, and this doesn't mean that you should be perfect, but, but God has given people power and authority. Now, there are bosses, there are people in leadership, there are always people in our lives who will maintain a certain amount of power and authority over your life for a season of time, but you need to understand this this morning, that while some people in your life have a small amount of power and control over you in small aspects We should never be afraid of what someone can do to us. 
Never. And you say, well, James, that sounds crazy. You know, because you don't know what someone can do to me. You don't know what this person can, can do. You don't know how they are. And, what, and guys, I'm telling you, there's a reason why Jesus said, do not fear what they will do to you. Fear God. Because God has the ability to destroy both body and soul. But people can only destroy. Even if they try to kill you, don't be afraid of them. And we'll talk about this in a second, but we got to remember there's a big difference between the physical and the spiritual. And if you claim to be a believer in Christ, you are not called to be concerned with the physical. You are called to be concerned with the spiritual. And so as people who are trying to follow God and live for God and show up and be what God has called them to be, we have a calling on our life to not let people control and manipulate us only thing that someone can do to you is what you allow them to do. A person cannot have spiritual influence in your life unless you open yourself up and allow them to, to turn you away from the Lord or, or take you from the Lord or discourage you from following after God and doing what he's called you to do. It's only the authority that you give them in that perspective. Does that make sense? So, so there are people out there who can harm you physically. They can do great damage to you physically, but Jesus says, do not fear them, fear God. Because God has something better for you, something beyond what you can experience here in this world. We should never be afraid of people. And it's important to understand today that you're always going to have people to oppose you. No matter what you're doing in life, no matter, no matter what you're struggling through, whether it's family or work or school or hot. Whatever it is that you're in, there will always be someone to oppose you, right? You testify that? How many of you are living in this room right now? And you can say, there's been very few times in my life where I've been at peace with every single person I've ever met in my life. There's always somebody to oppose us. And you can look at recorded world history. There's like a total of 30-something years in world history where there hasn't been a group of people at war with someone else. Like 30 years combined total in world history of peacetime without war. There's always someone out there to oppose and to fight and to go against what it is that you're trying to do. If you're sitting here this morning and you're a young person and you think life is hard, school's hard, the pressure's hard, yes, it is hard. And you think, oh, it'll be better when I get to be an adult. It'll be better when I go out in the workplace. It'll be better whenever I get to make my own decisions. That's not true. It actually gets harder, right? Everything that you think in your life, when this is going to get easier when this happens, like, no, 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 no. People actually get worse as time goes on. Like, you think middle schoolers are cruel, adults are cruel, right? I mean, like, people have a way of opposing and thwarting and bringing you down and making you try to make you feel like they have power over you. But we cannot be afraid of people. If you go back to the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, as the change in leadership is happening and Joshua is getting ready to take over and lead the Israelites across the Jordan and into the Promised Land, you know, Moses has not yet passed, but he's about to. And the mantle is being passed on to Joshua. And Moses is speaking to Joshua. And he says, so be strong and courageous. Be strong and brave. 
Do not be afraid and do not panic before them, for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Now I want you to think about what Joshua is experiencing in this moment. Moses has been leading the people of Israel for 40 years. You talk about the longevity of leadership and the fact that of we as people, how much faith and trust we put in people around us. Think about how the people of Israel felt as Moses led them and did all this amazing stuff. They saw it with their own eyes, and now Joshua is being handed this mantle. And you guys know this, like what it's, for some of you, you might know what it's like to step inside someone's shoes who did a really good job before you and knowing how difficult that's going to be to fill those shoes and fill that void. Think about the anxiety and the nervousness and the fear that Joshua had. Not to mention watching everything that had happened because Joshua was pretty old at this time too. He had been around for a while. He was a young man when all of it first started. But by this time, he's seasoned. He's older at this time. He had saw the exodus. He had saw everything God done. He had saw the rebellion of the people in Israel and how God punished them in many different ways. He saw all the things in the wilderness God provided. He saw some really cool stuff. He saw some really scary stuff. And he even saw as God spoke to Moses and told Moses to speak to the rock. And Moses was mad and struck the rock instead. And God said, no, Moses, you can't enter the promised land now because you didn't do what I told you to do. Think about how fearful that is. And so you cannot ignore the fact that Moses and the Lord is constantly communicating to Joshua as this mantle is being passed on. Don't be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. I'm calling you to do this. I want you to do this. I will be with you. I will fight for you. I will go before you. You can't ignore the fact that what God calls us to do, that he will be present with us. He will not only go with us, he will go before us. That he will fight for us. And God promises not to fail or abandon us. And you can read scripture. You go back through Joshua. And you go back through all the times that God is leading them across the Jordan and conquering the promised land. And every single thing that goes wrong during that time, because a lot goes wrong, right? Not once was it because God abandoned them or failed them. Every time something went wrong, every time an enemy overcame them in a battle, every time that they were punished, every time something happened, it was a result because the people strayed away from God and didn't uphold their end of the bargain, not because God failed them. And as people today, as believers in Christ, we have to understand and trust in God that if we're living for Him, we're following Him, and we're doing what He's called us to do, then He will go with us. He will go before us, and He will fight for us. And if we're doing that, we have nothing to fear. Psalm chapter 56, verses 3 through 4. And the psalmist wrote, But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? This is a really famous passage of Scripture. I've seen this one done a lot, and a lot of people love to quote it and write it on things and remember it. But you think about what this psalmist is writing. And the thing that spoke out to me the most was verse 4. It says, I praise God for what he has promised. And it made me think of Abraham, who God called to leave. And Abraham did everything that God asked him to do faithfully. And you know, the only promise that Abraham actually saw with his own eyes was the fulfillment of his son being born. 
The promised land that was given to him, he never got to receive it. The, the descendants as numerous as stars in the sky, he never got to see them. But Abraham trusted in God that what he promised would come true and that his descendants would get to experience all the promises that God made to Abraham. And even though he didn't see it, he trusted in God to have it anyway. And what the psalmist is writing in verse 4, it says, I praise God for what he has promised. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm trusting in God that he's going to do what he said he would do. And as believers this morning, if you believe in Jesus Christ and you step down on faith and ask him to forgive you of your sin and trust in him for eternal life, and you're trusting in him that you're going to heaven one day and he's preparing a place for you, you have to understand that there are times in your life where you don't have the answers. You're not going to be prepared for what God's calling you to do. You're not going to be able to accomplish this task, but you can trust and have faith that God is going to do what he promised that he would do. It takes faith to do that. And as believers in Christ, if we try to operate and live our life without faith, we are going to have a weak relationship with Christ at best. Because it's all based on faith. It's all based on stepping out there and trusting in God. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 22. When Moses is forbid to go in the promised land and Joshua is put in charge, again, Moses is telling Joshua, do not be afraid of the nations there, for the Lord your God will fight for you. Think about how many battles the Israelites fought. The very first one of Jericho, they didn't even fight. They marched around the city seven times. Perry loves this story. Marched around the city seven times, blew their horn, and then on the seventh day marched around again, blew their horn, and the walls come tumbling down. It's like, God does all these amazing things to fight for us if we do what he's called us to do. If we listen and are obedient, he'll fight for you. You have to be confident in that. So many stories in scripture where God says, look, this is what I want you to do. And he gives them like some ridiculous thing to do. Like stand around, blow some trumpets, bash some clay pots together and you'll win the battle. And like they do it and it happens. Like it sounds ridiculous, but that's the God that we serve. It sounds foolish to the world, but it makes sense to us. If we're obedient to God and we do what he's called us to do, he does the work for us. It's not something you have to do for yourself. So just show up. Show up. Trust God enough that even when you're afraid that you're going to show up and you're going to trust in him to fight for you and not worry about the people or what they think or what they're going to do, but just show up and allow God to do what he said he's going to do. Point number two. Keep the physical and the spiritual in perspective. And we talked a little bit about this a while ago. But I want to spend some more time on this. Guys, the physical does not matter. And as believers in Christ, this is probably something that American Christians, we really drop the ball on this. Like, we love the physical. We love life. We love entertainment. We love stuff. We love Money, we love jobs and positions, and we just love the world because we live better lives than most people in it, whether we realize it or not. And we cling to it. But we have to keep it in perspective, and Christ always taught this. In everything that he did with everyone he ever ministered to, it was always lay down your life and pick up your cross and follow me. Keep the physical and the spiritual in perspective because the spiritual is more important it's, it's unexplainably more important. And life goes by fast. 
and you know, in the first service, we have some older people in the first service, and some of them are like in their 90s, and so they've lived really long lives. And we were talking, you know, it's like we also, I've done some ministry with a lady, I think she's like 106 now. I mean, like extremely old, like long, great lives. And it's really important to understand, even if you're sitting here today and you live to be 120, it's like, well, I want to live, I want to have a long, good life. I, I want to make sure I have, like everything in your life that you see is going to disappear and fade. You think about somebody who's lived 90 and 100 years what does life look like compared to what it did when they were a child? The world has changed completely. Anybody who's been to this church their whole life, lived into their 90s, I think it's changed like three different times. And you're sitting in a room that was just remodeled a few months ago and just finished. It looks great now. But guess what? 20, 30 years from now, you're, some of you younger kids, are going, hopefully I'll be gone. Some of you younger kids are going to walk back in here and you're going to say, man, this place is starting to look rough. We need to redo this thing again. Because everything breaks down and fades. Your body will and other people's body will. And even if you live to be 120, you might still be alive and well, but most of everybody you know is going to be dead and gone. And most of everything that you've ever known in your life, clothes, whatever, vehicles, homes, is going to start breaking down. You have to trade it out. and You're going to find something new. And who knows what life will be like then. Everything in this world is temporary. And we have to keep that in perspective. And you can try to cling to whatever it is that you want to cling to in this world, but it will dissolve like powder in your hands to nothing as God is constantly trying to remind us of people that we should be focused on eternity. And that's the reason why he allows the world to fade and dissolve and deteriorate so quickly because he wants you to be focused on the eternal, what doesn't fade, what doesn't pass away, stuff that we really should be investing our life in. But we've got to keep it in perspective. Psalm chapter 34, verses 4 through 5. The psalmist says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. And guys, we have to keep in perspective that with God there is no fear. You know, with the world there's always fear. Everybody's afraid. In fact, you look at our culture now, one of the biggest tactics that companies and people and politics are using today is the whole aspect of fear. That you don't know what's going to happen. What's it going to be like? What's this going to do? What's that going to do? What's, what's the stock market going to do? They're always trying to make people afraid. With God, you don't have to be afraid. Because you're not focused on what this world offers. You're focused on the next world. And with God, you get things like joy and peace and patience and love. And all these other good things that lie ahead for those who believe in God. And show up to do His work and allow Him to work and move. It's amazing how people with absolutely nothing can have joy. Because they have Christ. I'll never forget one of the craziest conversations. And I wasn't even participating. I was sitting on a boat. We were going through Haiti. And this guy was driving the boat. And he was talking. I can't even remember who he was talking to. But the Haitian guy was talking to someone else. And he was talking about how much joy and happiness he had in his life. Even though like when we were walking around and driving around that place. And we were looking. It's like there is nothing here. These people have absolutely nothing. 
There's no hope. Like they go down and they like we at winter time. If we want to have a fire, we go cut down this big nice tree and we throw it on a fire and we have this great big fire. It's like no, they go cut down a bush and then they burn up like these little shrub bushes and try to make charcoal and they sit on piles of rocks and bust up rocks for gravel to sell because that's about the only thing they have to do down there. And he was talking about how much joy. And happiness he had in Christ in spite of him and anyone else down there really having anything at all. Because for him, and it's the situation of life that that he's living in. It's easy to give up the world when you don't have anything. It's easier, I'll say that. And for us it's going to be difficult, but we've got to keep it in perspective. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 13 God told Isaiah, for I hold you by your right hand, I, the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid, I am here to help you. Don't cling to the physical. Move to the spiritual. Move to the eternal. That is what God is working in, and you have to remember that. God is constantly working and moving to to build his kingdom and and to, to build the eternal for us. And the question is whether or not you believe that. Because what you believe matters. What you believe is what you're going to invest in. If you were sitting here today and you believed that there was some company that was just going to skyrocket in stock this coming week, the first thing you would do if you had any sense was go tomorrow and start buying stock in that company before their stock went up. If you really believed that that was going to happen, you would start investing in it now. Right? If you knew that it was a sure way to get it, you would start investing in it. The kingdom of God can be viewed in the same way. If you really believe that it is what Christ said it is, that that eternal life is everything that we claim that we believe it is, it would be real easy for us to abandon the physical and invest in the eternal because we know in our hearts that this is definitely going to pay off. And the truth is, if we sit here today, it's like most of us are living in doubt because we're not 100% sure. Because if we were sure, it'd be real easy to let go of. And I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself whenever I say this because there's always struggles, even in my life. Like, there's always struggles in trying to give things up and honor the Lord in what we're doing. John chapter 14, verse 27 says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. What Christ has to give us is peace of mind and peace of heart, and the world can't give it. So don't be troubled, don't be afraid. God has something for you that the world cannot give. And as believers, it's not just eternal life waiting on you to make the switch to move from this life to the next. He even has things for you in this life that you can receive now if you're willing to give up the world in order to focus on the eternal. Point number three, you should definitely fear God. And we said this earlier, you know, God created us with the ability and capacity to have fear. I think that's very important for us to understand that. But it's really important to understand that when God created us with the ability to fear, it was never intended that you and I live in fear of the world or things of the world or anything like that. He created you to have the ability to fear because he wanted you to understand how significant it is that you fear him. 
And that's why Jesus said, don't fear people. Don't fear what they can do to you. Even if they want to kill you, don't fear them. You fear God because God is the one who decides who gets destroyed physically and eternally. That's the one that we should fear. As you're sitting here this morning, Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. It is important that you're sitting here today and you fear God. It's important. And, and, and we always want to say, well, Jesus is my friend. He's my co-pilot. You know, I love God. We're homies. And, you know, like we have all these like funny sayings about how we view God and how we interact with him. But in reality, you need to understand today that God created you with the capacity to have fear in your life, but it was meant for you to fear him. That's important to understand. So let's move past that for a second. There's a healthy balance of fear of the Lord because that's the foundation upon which wisdom is built and that's the foundation upon which everything else should be built. So for example, you've heard my testimony a hundred times. I was afraid of hell. That's one of the reasons why I began to cry out to Christ. I cried out to him constantly because I was afraid. Constantly asked for forgiveness. Constantly asked to be forgiven of my sin. And I did that for a long time. And fear was the foundation upon which my relationship with God began to start. But it was whenever I began to read my Bible and pray and have a relationship and was asking other people in the church questions and just growing in my faith that the true relationship with Christ began to start. And I finally felt secure in my relationship with the Lord. Fear is the foundation upon which it should build. But listen to me this morning. Yes, it's important for you to fear God, but you should not live every waking moment of your life walking around, is God going to get me today? Is God going to do this? Like, is he, is he going to strike me down today? Or I don't know what I should do. Like, that's not the type of relationship that God wants you to have. Fear is the beginning of of wisdom. It's the foundation. It's the foundation upon which everything else should be built on because if you understand who God is and what he's capable of and the price that Christ paid for your life, then that foundation allows us to build a relationship on top of it upon which we don't have to be afraid anymore. And that's important to understand. Because when you look at it, Jesus Christ died Jesus died so that we could be forgiven of sin. He was resurrected from the dead to prove that there is life after death. We, if you miss our Bible studies on Wednesday night, at least listen to the podcast that we have because it's talking about the importance of the resurrection of Christ and how basically without Christ resurrecting, the good news turns into sad news. It's like the saddest story ever. If Jesus does not raise himself from the dead, it's the saddest story we've ever heard. But the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead, that he wins the victory over death in the grave, and he lives again, makes it the good news. And it doesn't even stop there because, because he, he, he was raised from the dead. And then all those people who saw him and watched him, they got to see him ascend to heaven. And so it wasn't even just being able to prove that, hey, even after we die, we get to live again, but there's a place that we saw Jesus go that isn't here. Like Jesus didn't die again. We saw him go and he disappeared. He raised to the sky. And so there's a place that we get to go and meet him one day. We've got to have faith in that. 
But if we do everything that God has called us to do, we don't have anything to fear because we believe in all that. And look at what 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 through 18 says. It says, And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. But you need to pay attention to these words because there's some stipulations that come along with it. As you live in God, your love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence. So you don't have to be afraid on the day of judgment, and you can stand before God with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. You with me this morning? You need to pay attention to this passage of Scripture because this passage of Scripture is not saying... If you went down to the altar when you were five years old and you prayed the prayer of salvation, asked Jesus to come in your heart, and some pastor slapped you on the back and said, you're saved, you got it, you're going to heaven now, that you can stand before God without fear and with confidence. You look at what this passage says. It's saying, if you live for God and you live like Jesus in this world, your love will grow more perfect. You will be able to stand before him with confidence and without fear. And in verse 18, he says, Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So fear is the foundation of wisdom upon which the relationship with Christ is built on. And as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, as we live for him, we get to stand before God in confidence, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ is doing in us as we live for Him. Point number four. You are valuable to God. You need to understand this. There's not a person in this room that God does not look at you and hold you in the highest value. And as Jesus is telling his disciples, as he's sending them out, he says, look, don't be afraid of what I'm sending you out to do. God values you. He loves you. You are worth more than a whole flock of sparrows. I don't know if you ever thought about that. I would not consider a flock of sparrows worth a whole lot, but at least I'm worth more than them. But we are worth so much more. We are... The, and we don't say this to be prideful in any way. This is humbling to think about that we are we're the pride of God's creation. That he did not send his one and only son to die for animals or planets or stars or galaxies. He sent his son to die for us so that he could be reunited with us because we were the crown of his creation. And that's a very humbling thing to think about. Luke chapter thir- or 12 verse 32 says, so don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Don't be afraid. It gives your father in heaven great happiness to give you the kingdom. There are some of you in here this morning who needs to understand, you need to show up for Christ because you are valuable. And God wants to give you the kingdom. He wants you to come and participate in building his kingdom and seeing people get saved to doing what it is that he's created you and called you to do. And you can't cheat him out of that. And if you truly believed in Christ, if you truly believed the price that he paid for you, you would have no problem in showing up 
and allowing him to use you in whatever capacity he wanted to. Point number five, last one. Showing up increases your value. And I really struggle with whether or not to include this as a point, but I think it's important to, under, to truly understand today that you know, God does love you. God loves you. But God created you. And he knows, he knows that there was going to be sin in your life that was going to separate you from him. And despite all that, he continued to create and form new people in their mother's womb. He created you. He knows you. He loves you. But there's something that you need to understand is that when we sin, and sin doesn't mean go out and sin and do something that the Bible says is a sin. Just refusing to do what you feel like God is leading you to do in your heart, that's sinful. When you deny God, that's sin. When you go against His will, that's sin. And when we sin in our life, we become sin. And God despises sin. Now, now I'm going to give you a moment to chew on that. Let's marinate on that for a second. Because that sounds weird. Because, okay, well, God loves people. Yes, He does. He sent His Son to die for all people because He loves us enough to pay the price and hope that we will turn to him and receive Christ so that we could go to heaven. But he despises sin. And when we sin, we become sin. You say, that don't make no sense. All right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says that God made Jesus Christ sin. He made him sin who knew no sin so that we might become his righteousness. And so in that moment, when Jesus dies on the cross, God is taking Christ and he's making him the sin of the entire world. Every sin that you ever committed, he inflicted the punishment of that on Christ. Like Christ became that sin and he brought his punishment on him so that you would not have to experience that punishment. He became the sin so we wouldn't have to endure the punishment. So that we might become his righteousness because, because through Christ and the power of his blood and his forgiveness, we are brought into righteousness through what Christ has done. Not what we've done through what Christ has done. We become righteousness while he becomes sin. And if we sin and we deny Christ in our lives, we become sin. And God despises sin. And you need to understand that this morning. Because if you simply show up and you allow yourself to be used by God the way that he's called you to, the way he's always intended you to be used by him, you increase your value because you are making yourself available to receive the righteousness that Christ has for you. But if you choose yourself and you choose your life and if you choose to be afraid and refuse that, then you're choosing sin because you're going against what God has called you to. And as we close up today, you know, some of you might ask, all right, we've been talking about showing up. What exactly does that mean? You know, you've been talking about it. This seems to have a pretty hefty price tag if we're not showing up. What does it mean to show up? 
And these are just some examples. Like, I'm not going to say that this is limited to this or, you know, there's not more here. But these are just some things that I thought of that when it comes to our relationship with God that people seem to be very afraid of. And we allow these things to cripple us. And we can't move beyond in our relationship with God to serve Him if we are stuck in our fears of doing these simple things that I'm going to call out to you. So you're not going to show up if you're afraid to leave the world behind. When I say world, I mean literally anything. Like there's, there could be anything in this world that's keeping you from fully giving yourself to Christ and you're afraid to leave behind. If you're afraid to leave sin behind, because there's two different things. There's things in the world that aren't sinful, and then there's sin. Either one of them can keep you from showing up and being who God's called you to be. If you're afraid to pray in front of others, afraid to be seen reading Scripture or read Scripture in front of others, if you're afraid to tell people what Scripture says, you're afraid to tell people what God has done for you personally, if you're afraid to tell people what God can do for them, if you're afraid to tell people what God is going to do that we read about in His Word, if you're afraid to share what God has been speaking to you about, afraid to share the good things that God has done in your life, and so on and so on and so on. And some of you right now are just cringing because like the the, the thought of having to speak or say anything or have a spiritual conversation with somebody is just the most intimidating thing that you can think of in your life. Do not be afraid. God has made so many promises. Go home and just type in fear on Bible Gateway and look at how many verses pop up. So many, so many verses that call us out of our fear into serving Christ. We do not understand all that we're missing in our relationship with God because we've allowed fear to hold us hostage. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And this morning, if you're living in fear, if there's something in your life that you're afraid of, and you know this is holding you hostage in your relationship with God, you need to be reminded today that God did not give you a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, of love, and self-discipline. And He's made every promise that He possibly can to help you overcome the fears in your life, to be who He has created you to be. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word and Your love and Your mercy. God, thank You for reminding us of how faithful You are And Lord, to just know that there's nothing in this world that we should be afraid of. God, help us to trust and believe in you. Help us to have faith. Help us to give our hearts and lives to you completely. Jesus, thank you for all that you've done so far. And I pray that we would be people like the psalmist and be like Abraham. God, that we would already be praising you for what it is that you said that you were going to do. Because we believe in you that much. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this day. And we ask it in your name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.